thank you for joining me for today's Beast Watch News Update. News from the Internet's most comprehensive Bible prophecy news website, BeastWatchNews.com. I'm Kimberly Rogers Brown. There was an important leak about COVID this week that you might not know about yet that reveals just how big a scam the coronavirus is and which also reveals what kind of plans the New World Order has for all of us. I will tell you how the Kabbalist New World Order is justifying persecuting Christians now and will update you on a new twist to the coming Mark of the Beast vaccine delivery system. There are further developments with the Abraham Accord as new nations begin to acquiesce to its demands. And I will examine last week's Republican National Convention and end with insight into the timing of the fast approaching tribulation. Let me begin with this gateway pundit shock report titled, This Week CDC Quietly Updated COVID-19 Numbers, Only 9,210 Americans Died from COVID-19 Alone. Rest had different other serious illnesses. So, let's get this straight. Based on the recommendation of Drs. Fauci and Burks, the U.S. shut down the entire economy based on 9,000 American deaths due entirely to the China coronavirus? The general director of the World Health Organization on March 3, 2020, set off the panic with his highly flawed statement saying, while many people globally have built up immunity to seasonal flu strains, COVID-19 is a new virus to which no one has immunity. That means more people are susceptible to infection and some will suffer severe disease. Globally, about 3.4% of reported COVID-19 cases have died, he said. By comparison, seasonal flu generally kills far fewer than 1% of those infected. Well, that statement caused a global panic. The World Health Organization leader's coronavirus death rate number of 3.4% was false. The coronavirus fatality rate reported by the liberal mainstream media was completely inaccurate. The media was lying again. Doctors Fauci and Burks next pushed ridiculous and highly exaggerated mortality rates. Their fraudulent model predicted 2.2 million American deaths from the coronavirus pandemic. The information was shared with the White House and doctors Fauci and Burks urged President Trump to shut down the U.S. economy and destroy the record Trump economy based on the faulty and overblown figures. Today, we now have empirical evidence that the World Health Organization, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks were all wrong. They were charlatans. They lied. The CDC silently updated their numbers this week to show that only 6% of all coronavirus deaths were completely due to the coronavirus alone. The rest of the deaths pinned to the 
China coronavirus are attributed to individuals who had other serious issues going on or were advanced in age. Throughout history, plagues have killed mostly healthy people, but coronavirus has killed mostly sick people. See the difference? Hang in here with me because I will explain why and how the CDC's move to update their figures and make this big announcement benefits the agenda of the New World Order. Not only are the number of deaths linked entirely to the China coronavirus minuscule, but the virus appears to be naturally dying out. Let's face it. At this moment in time, anyone who is pushing for more lockdowns and other abuses on our personal rights is either evil or terribly misinformed. Based on the lies that were told to the global population by the New World Order United Nations World Health Organization Agency, Pastor John MacArthur now has ammunition to fight the state of California in its ongoing persecution of his church. The megachurch in suburban Los Angeles had closed its doors in mid-March because of the coronavirus pandemic. It announced plans to reopen in May, but a federal court upheld the state's ban on indoor services. The church reopened in late July. People started slowly coming back, MacArthur told CNN, and they just kept coming until there were six or seven thousand. That's several thousand more people than California allows at indoor worship services. According to an order issued July 29th, houses of worship in Los Angeles County must limit indoor gatherings to 100 people or 25% of the building's capacity, whichever is lower. The church's lawyers announced they had filed suit on behalf of the church challenging California's restrictions on indoor services. L.A. County sued MacArthur and his church for continuing to hold in-person indoor worship in violation of the state and county public health orders. The county said in a statement that it took this action reluctantly after working with the church for several weeks in hopes of gaining voluntary compliance with the health officer orders, which allow for religious services to be held outdoors in order to slow the spread of a deadly and highly contagious virus. The pastor told CNN on Tuesday that no members of his megachurch have contracted the virus. MacArthur also said he doubted the accuracy of California's coronavirus numbers. And here's why it matters. As the coronavirus swept across the U.S. this spring, lockdown orders for churches followed in its wake. Just 6% of Americans who regularly attend services say their congregation is operating as usual, according to a recent survey. Most of the pastors who have bucked the rules are considered fringe figures in American Christianity. But MacArthur is not. 
While he seldom backs down from a theological argument, the long-time preacher is considered a respected, if fiery-tongued figure, among many evangelicals. Attorneys for L.A. County sent a cease-and-desist letter to Grace Community Church on July 29th, threatening arrest or a daily fine of $1,000. Lawyer for the Thomas More Society, which also represents the church, declined CNN's request for interviews. John didn't back down, and he didn't desist either. So L.A. County sent him an eviction notice for the parking lot MacArthur refuses to hold church services on, and for good reason. Has anyone noticed California is burning and the temperatures are hot, hot, hot? MacArthur is right. Corona is a non-pandemic that has been used for fear-mongering and which will be used for further fear-mongering in the future to catch all the sheeple in one of two chutes leading to the slaughterhouse. One chute will lead directly to slaughter for those folks who refuse to take the next rounds of shots and implants This shoot leads to physical death but eternal life if they believe in Yeshua as Messiah. The other shoot leads to both physical and eternal death for those who deny Yeshua as God and rightful King of Israel and who align themselves with Yeshua's nemesis, the Jewish Antichrist. The question to be asked is... What's in it for the New World Order to allow the CDC to release numbers that so highly contradict their former lies, which they have kept up since last March? Don't you think they know people are spouting that they will refuse to get vaccinated? Of course they do. Those polls are reported regularly. So how, oh how, can they get people to take the vaccine when we all know about their scam and now they have admitted it? Good question. The reason for the come clean is to set the trap. For over 100 years, the Rockefeller and other foundations and rich people have been experimenting with ways to make the general population sick and keep them that way. It turns out that a sick population is an easy one to control when threatened about not getting health care. Now that the global population is mostly in socialized or other medical systems, the New World Order can do the big takeaway. Ah, 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 no more health care for you, oh, one who has heart disease, cancer, or diabetes, if you won't get vaccinated. Guess what, they will say. We discovered that it is the sick and old who die from the virus, not the healthy, as in other historic plagues. And now that we have you in our grip, we can blackmail you. If you take the vaccine, you can stay in the medical system. If not, well then, you're on your own. Go and die. 
Sick people have weak minds much of the time and not the will to resist such blackmail. They're scared of dying anyway. The threat of contracting a virus that preys on the sick and elderly will only ramp up their fears. Many, perhaps most, will succumb out of fear of not getting medications, you know, doctor visits, because, you know, we can't have unvaccinated people endangering the lives of our patients in the waiting rooms. Emergency health care for heart attacks, strokes, accidents, and so forth. Because, again, you know, We can't have unvaccinated people endangering the lives of our patients in the emergency room. So, no identifiable vaccine record under the skin? No help. The CDC's numbers really tell another tale. This is one way the New World Order plans to cull the population down to its 500 million. They think we won't see through this, but Yahweh, our Elohim, protects his people, and one way he does that is by opening our eyes to understand what we see. Here is another something important for you to understand. The White House and the media are saying nothing about this. Folks, this is huge news. Yet only a few alternate media news outlets like this one are telling you about it. They don't want you to know their plan to blackmail the mostly sick people of the world. But because the New World Order has an internal obligation to send warnings, this information has been released and then immediately suppressed in the media, at least That is what it appears to be right now. Maybe the CDC's information will be reported at another time, but I doubt it. Other pastors are grappling with the issue of how to handle the government's requirements, too. Across the USA, faith leaders debate how they can continue to pray in fellowship with others while keeping staff and members safe in the age of coronavirus. Some churches have moved completely on uh, online. Others have embraced drive-in service, and some are adamant about holding in-person gatherings. Proponents of church services argue that places of worship are a crucial source of strength, community, and solace for many Americans who should be allowed to safely congregate. Critics said soaring cases of COVID-19 have made it impossible for large groups to interact and follow public health guidelines. In July, the Supreme Court ruled for the second time during the pandemic that churches can be restricted from worshiping to protect public health. Churches are essential. If protesters can assemble So should people of faith, you would think, and all the more so as we see the days of tribulation approaching. But look at what is happening globally. People, please understand, this is not an American issue. This has now become the kingdom of Satan versus the kingdom of Yeshua issue for however many thousands of years, which 
whichever way you want to calculate it, and it is leading us into the tribulation. Here are a few examples from America and across the world of such persecution. As you know, I have been reporting about the neo-Bolshevik revolution happening now. And as far as I know, I'm the only pundit who recognized whose the sides truly are. The atheist communist left and the religious communist right. But even though most people do not understand the meaning of the chaos around them, nor do they truly comprehend who their enemy is, here is a commentary on the cultural revolution happening now in America and around the world. It's happening all over the globe in almost all, if not all, of the westernized and even some third world nations. The trigger for it was COVID. Now let's listen to this short piece by Tucker Carlson explaining this cultural revolution. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Every cult has the same goal, the utter submission of its members. Cult members surrender everything. They give up their physical freedom, where they can go, who they can see, how they can dress. But more than that, they give up control of their minds. Cult leaders determine what their followers are allowed to believe, even in their most private thoughts. In order to do this, cults separate people from all they have known before. They force their members to renounce their former lives, their countries, their customs. They allow no loyalty except to the cult. The first thing they attack always is the family. Families are the main impediment to brainwashing and extremism. That's true in every culture. So if you're going to control individuals, if you're going to transform free people into compliant robots, the first thing you must do is separate them from the ones who love them most. In 1932, Soviet authorities began promoting the story of a 13-year-old peasant boy called Pavlik Morozov. Morozov, they claimed, had taken the supremely virtuous step of denouncing his own father to the secret police for committing counter-revolutionary acts. Once exposed as a traitor, the boy's father was executed by firing squad for the safety of the state. Joseph Stalin elevated this boy to the status of national hero for what he did. People wept in the streets when they heard his name. They worshipped him like a saint. Why are we telling you this? Because it's happening here. In the last 10 days, some of our most prominent citizens have sworn allegiance to a cult. Converts go by the term allies, and like all cult members, they demand total conformity. They ritually condemn their own nation, its history, its institutions, its symbols, its flag. They denounce their own parents. If you've been on social media recently, you've likely seen many videos like this one. That is a child attacking her mother and father for the crime of insufficient loyalty to Black Lives Matter. Reporter Hannah Lustig of Insider.com wrote about that video, and she strongly approved of it. What you just saw, Lustig wrote, is a young person, quote, modeling the most important tenet of allyship. Modeling, meaning something done to encourage others to do the same. It's effective, and in this case, it's working. Here's a 15-year-old from Louisiana called Isabella. There are many like her in America right now. I literally hate my family so much. It's just... 
they just try to argue with me that George Floyd does like they just trying to tell me that like he deserved that because he did something wrong and that it was okay that is not okay and it's just making me so upset I don't know why I do not want to live here I don't I hate living in Louisiana I hate living around these racist I just want to leave I hate my family so much. Just a week ago, it would have been hard to imagine that. Now Isabella is a social media star. Celebrities tweet their approval at her. She may have her own cult following before long. But the revolution is young. Children attacking their parents is just the beginning. On CNN today, a man called Tim Wise told viewers that going forward, parents must hurt their own children. I think the the important thing for white parents to keep in the front of our mind is that if black children in this country are not allowed innocence and childhood without fear of being killed by police or marginalized in some other way, then our children don't deserve innocence. If Tamir Rice can be shot dead in a public park playing with a toy gun, something white children do all over this country every day without the same fear of being shot, if Tamir Rice can be killed, then white children need to be told at least at the same age. If they can't be innocent, we don't get to be innocent. Your children are no longer allowed to be innocent, says Tim Wise. Happy childhoods are a sign of racism. The man saying this and being affirmed by CNN's anchors as he does is a self-described anti-racism activist. He's been saying things like this for a long time. More than once, Tim Wise has suggested that he approves of violence against those who disagree. How does Tim Wise make a living? Well, in part, by lecturing students. Your kids may have seen him speak. They've almost certainly heard a lot of people like Tim Wise. In America's schools, the revolution has been in progress for quite some time. Rochester School District in New York has created a Black Lives Matter-themed lesson plan. The teaching materials dismiss America's bedrock institutions, indeed America itself, as inherently racist. Suggested questions for students include, how does mass incarceration function as a mechanism of racialized social control? One specific racial group is singled out for exclusive blame. The curriculum promotes a book entitled White Rage, The Unspoken Truth of Our Racial Divide. In other words, children, there's a reason hatred and inequality exist. These people did it. That's what your kids are learning right now. That's not an overstatement. Yesterday at Darien High School in Connecticut, Principal Ellen Dunn sent an email to parents in which she promised to increase the, quote, race-conscious education of our students. In order to achieve that, Dunn distributed materials from the Southern Poverty Law Center. Now, ironically, the Southern Poverty Law Center is itself a hate group that has been documented extensively. But now their agenda is the school's agenda. It's what your kids are learning. In Washington, D.C., an elementary school principal in the affluent northwest section of the city recently wrote a letter announcing that, quote, we need more white parents to talk to their kids about race, especially now. The letter singled out, quote, white staff and white community members, whom the principal alleged had committed, quote, both macro and microaggressions against staff of color. The principal did not specify what those crimes were. She didn't need to. Their skin color was their crime. This is a national theme. It pains us to tell you that, but it's true. It's incredibly destructive and dangerous. Countless school districts are now using the 1619 Project from the New York Times, for example, as a curriculum. That project is the work of an out-of-the-closet racial extremist called Nicole Hannah-Jones. 
Jones, for example, recently argued, it is not violence to loot and burn stores. It's justified. Her propaganda is now mandatory in public schools in Buffalo, Chicago, Newark, Washington. Many parents, understandably, deeply resent this. It's deranged. It's racist. But others don't. They are allies, and they've joined in. One mother in London, where the cult is also spreading, posted this photo on Twitter. It's of her daughter on bended knee, holding a sign declaring her privilege. The cultural revolution has come to the West. What will the effects of this be? This is just a moment. It will end. How will we feel about it looking back? Years from now, how will that little girl with the sign remember her childhood? Her mother took Tim Wise's advice. She no longer has innocence. Will she be grateful for that? It's hard to imagine she will be. More likely, she will feel bitter and used because she has been used. And it's likely that many children growing up right now will feel the same way. Is there a single person who believes that this moment we're living through will end in racial harmony? That used to be what we wanted. Some of us still do want that. Is it even a goal anymore? It doesn't seem like it. Instead, it seems like many in power, it's very clear, in fact, that many in power are pushing hard for racial division, for hatred, for violence. And let's pray they don't get what they want. Tribal conflict will destroy a country faster than any plague. But keep in mind, as this insanity continues, that it doesn't happen in a vacuum. Every action provokes a reaction. That's physics. We don't know where this is going. We don't want to know where it's going. The cult members should stop now, immediately, before more innocents get hurt. And they will if they don't. The important piece to garner from Tucker's explanation is something he also does not understand. It will be these same kind of mobs under the control of the Judeo-Christian right wing in Israel, the U.S., and the other westernized nations who will stir up these mobs against believers in Yeshua. Tucker's explanation is revealing and clear. I just wish he knew where this was going. This past week... A Trump supporter was killed in the open street like something out of the Old West, with one exception. The crowd around the incident cheered that the man had died. The victim, identified as Aaron Danielson, reportedly was wearing the cap of conservative libertarian group Patriot Prayer, whose caravan of pickup trucks festooned with flags drove through the city that day. But because he was a supporter of President Trump, the victim did not deserve to live, according to BLM and Antifa. These are the kind of people who will turn in those who insist that Yeshua is God and King of Israel and the world. This will be seen by Israel and the world as treason against the newly arrived God and King Messiah of Israel, the Antichrist. Children will turn on their parents the way the sniveling little idiots did in Carlson's audio. That and worse. The persecution has already started. John MacArthur is standing up to it, but he is also drawing attention to the Christian problem, as seen from the left. And then here's a 28-year-old pregnant Australian woman, 
who has been arrested after she allegedly organized a protest event for Saturday that breaches the government's coronavirus restrictions. Zoe Bueller uploaded a live Facebook video on Wednesday afternoon as Victoria Police entered her home in Miner's Rest, north of Ballarat, with an arrest warrant. The mom, with the Facebook name Zoe Lee, can be seen in her pajamas with her two children and partner watching on. Police explained to Ms. Bueller she's being placed under arrest for incitement and handcuffed. She was carted off to jail just moments before she would have been leaving her home to go to the doctor's office for an ultrasound. Although COVID-19 has no longer grabbed the headlines in China, the Chinese government is using the pandemic to target underground Catholics to coerce them into joining the state-sanctioned churches. Those who fail to comply risk closure. The Chinese are not just shutting down churches. They are persecuting Christians in other ways, too. As the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic continues to hit Africa hard, a leading human rights group is warning that the persecution of Christians is getting worse during the crisis. Discrimination against Christians around the world has increased over the course of the coronavirus pandemic, an international Christian charity has claimed. In nations with limited religious freedoms, persecution has been stepped up during the pandemic. In China, churches have continued to be demolished, and Christians have been arrested for holding prayer meetings online. In the developing world, many Christians have been denied food and other forms of aid and are excluded from support systems during lockdown due to their faith. The Charity Release International claims Paul Robinson, the CEO of Release International, said that cries for help are being ignored by local charities who are discriminating against Christian families. These are only the first connections between COVID-19 with its coming vaccination technologies and believers in Yeshua HaMashiach. From here, it only will get worse. So let's ask this question. Is the COVID vaccine the mark of the beast? Well, here's the short answer. I don't know. It could be, or perhaps a precursor, a dry run used by authorities worldwide to check compliance with instructions when the real mark is set to be administered. There is, however, a new twist to the vaccine delivery system that you need to know about. Scripture says the mark will be taken voluntarily, and I have reported about advertising messages designed to coerce and shame people into taking the COVID vaccine because the New World Order United Nations World Health Organization knows and is following their version of scriptures. They use the prophecies like a script thinking they know how to control and prevent Yeshua from winning this war between the kingdoms. But Daniel 12 
Verse 10 says, Many will purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked will do wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. The New World Order thinks it understands, but it doesn't, which plays into the question of how they will get people to volunteer to take the mark. Now, I just told you how great the pressure will be to take the mark if you have pre-existing medical conditions that need ongoing health care. Once people agree that they must enter the medical system, what will ensure that they mark that the mark they take will have been completely voluntary? Will it be enough to walk yourself into a clinic and sit still while another person pokes you with a needle? Well, let's listen to this section of audio from a Rob Skiba video before I answer that question. Let's take a look at the word mark. Let's turn to the Greek and look at this word closely. The Greek word is shiragma. Its biblical usage of the word is a stamp or an imprinted mark. According to Strong's definition, it means a scratch or an etching, i.e. a stamp. The Dotson's Dictionary, Sculpture, Engraving, a Stamp, and a Sign. Now, let's go one step further. Let's look at the root word of Sharagma. It is the same as Chirax. Its biblical usage is a pail, a stake, or a palisade. Strong's definition is to sharpen to a point, a stake, a palisade, or a rampart, a trench. In Thayer's Greek lexicon, a pail, or a stake, or a palisade. Dodson's Dictionary, a palisade, mound for besieging. Okay, at this point I can see everyone is probably thinking, so what? You have to look at the definition a little and dig out what they mean by palisade, i.e. a mound for besieging. So we do a search for medieval palisade, and this is what you will see. Now, I hope that you are looking at my website right now, that you, you're going to have to look at my website to understand what I'm going to show you here that shows you or will explain to you what Rob Skiba was just talking about, this palisade. In my website, I've got the images, and here are the elements of ancient palisade technology that will be put to use in the microneedle mark of the beast patch. Now just look at these. You see here you have a couple of examples of sharpened wooden stakes. Now those that's the palisade, but let's uh, go further. Imagine these palisades fill the entire internal area, fill an entire internal area by, you see these 
palisades here, the walls with the with the sharpened stakes, and you see the little micro needle patch next to it, you understand now the charagma and the charax. You see, those are the palisades. Those are the mark. That's the stamp, the charagma. And you see there with the green grass, the palisade that has the double wall. You see next to it there, the patch with the micro needles. Now you see what the technology that the Bible describes to you, what that means. So, back to the question about just how voluntary this mark will need to be. Well, how about voluntary enough that you will vaccinate yourself instead of someone else doing it? I'm going to show you something else. The vaccine, the vaccine microneedle patch may be delivered to you by mail. People will put it on like a Band-Aid. TheStar.com reports that sometime soon your annual flu vaccine may come to you by mail in the form of a microneedle patch thanks to the work of researchers at Georgia Institute of Technology and Emory University. The patch is like a Band-Aid with tiny needles no bigger than the width of a hair which are made up of polymer substance that's water-soluble according to Mark Prausnitz, a chemical and biochemical engineer and professor at Georgia Institute of Technology. The researchers successfully tested the patch on mice and have reported their finding in a recent edition of Nature Medicine. In the study, the patches delivered the correct dose of the flu vaccine. Now, I have reported about the new technology before, the new delivery system called Quantum Tattoo. It is a micro-needle patch. This patch, we have been told, is a new delivery system that will mark the skin with invisible dye. It will be scanned everywhere you go so you can be properly identified. But now let's go back and look at the date stamp on the star.com's article. It's July 21st, 2010. Oh yeah, they have had this in the works way before they began telling us about it. You see that? Image there of the header of the star.com here in my article. That image is also up there. Well, now we're just going to move forward and learn some more things about Israel and the UAE and the Abraham Accord. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and Jared Kushner are hailing their new different kind of peace, a peace that isn't peace, but really is just an excuse for the U.S. and Israel to make arms sales to the Middle East's Sunni states. Netanyahu also said he's thrilled that the Palestinians have lost their veto on peace. This revolutionary peace is a good deal all around, except for the Palestinians and the Shiite Iranian coalition and its two partners, Russia and China. 
Israel and the UAE made their first commercial flight. Several top administration officials were on board the plane, escorting Israeli government officials from Tel Aviv to Abu Dhabi for talks with their Emirati counterparts as part of the White House-brokered plan. The Boeing 737 was given permission to fly through Saudi Arabian airspace in a first for Israeli carrier El Al. Its captain, Tal Becker, announced shortly before takeoff the flight would have taken seven hours if it had not been allowed to use Saudi airspace. The word peace was painted in Arabic, English, and Hebrew on the side of the El Al aircraft making the historic journey, and the flight was named LY-971 in honor of the Emirates International Calling Code. Well, that calling code is interesting. Israel's is 972. Both Israel and the UAE may, and I say may, deliberately they may both think they have conquered the other now Israel for its brighter prospects of being able to get underway with building the temple and the UAE for its better prospects at retrieving the lost caliphate from 1922 Saudi Arabia for its part helping the Abraham Accord has officially announced it has agreed to let flights between Israel and the UAE through the kingdom's airspace, according to Saudi state media and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu on Wednesday. This is warm and welcome news and also may help imply that Jared Kushner was correct, saying the Saudis will be joining the Abraham Accord, that it is inevitable. And UAE's Etihad Airways has officially begun selling airline tickets in Israel. However, there are still some nagging and unanswered questions that need to be worked out. Here are just a few of the issues on the agenda. Whether Saudi Arabia will permit Israeli airlines to fly regularly over its territory. Whether the Emirates will agree to sell oil to Israel. Solving the headaches for the Shin Bates Security Division, you know, like protecting Israeli tourists visiting the United Arab Emirates cities and beaches, which is located practically a stone's throw from Iran, whose agents are everywhere, and whether Israeli security guards will be permitted to carry weapons in the UAE. However, the biggest nut to crack somehow before the ceremony takes place is the Palestinian issue. The Palestinian Authority is now foolishly boycotting the Emirates, recalling yet again Abba Eban's famous dictum that the Palestinians never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. But even so, it has played an important role here. The Prime Minister and the political right are hoping that peace agreements between Israel and Arab states will make it unnecessary to deal directly with the Palestinians. But that is not so, according to this article. Crown Prince Mohammed's official justification for the agreement with 
Israel is that it prevented Israeli annexation of parts of the West Bank. The Emirati ruler said the agreement put an end to annexation, and Trump and Kushner also think annexation is not happening, but Netanyahu, who thinks only of how to please his right-wing settler base, still insisted it was just a temporary suspension and that annexation is still on the table. And in so doing, he angered the Emirati rulers who punished him by postponing an official trip by Israeli functionaries. One source predicted, though, that the crown prince will demand that annexation be taken off the table for only 10 years, which would be a compromise, but would ultimately agree to a five-year delay. President Trump and Kushner will call for at least four years, the time frame designated by the Trump plan for negotiations with the Palestinians, eight months of which have already passed, and Netanyahu? Naturally, he will seek to commit to as little time as possible. For him, even two or three months is too long. On one subject, at least, there is already a tacit understanding The sale of F-35 aircraft to the UAE is a done deal. With each passing day, it becomes that much clearer that this was the Emiratis' condition for the so-called Abraham Agreement. And if there's one thing Trump is known for, it's his fondness for making deals and a particular enthusiasm for arms deals. This will be the first time in Israel's history that the relationship between peace and weaponry is reversed. This is the first time that Israel is signing a peace deal and not receiving an American reward. In the peace agreements with Egypt, Jordan, and the Palestinians, Israel demanded and received from the United States a security package that included military upgrades and financial compensation. The only problem with the F-35 deal is the way the extremely talented Netanyahu once again fell prey to his worst self-destructive instincts, unable to overcome his paranoia, narcissism, and megalomania. He went behind the cabinet's back, particularly that of his putative partners, Defense Minister Benny Gantz and Foreign Minister Gabi Ashkenazi. Now, one more item before I leave the Abraham Accord issue. Here is a headline from Israel 365. The headline reads, Trump's Abraham Accords brings true sons of Ishmael to Temple Mount as prophesied in Zohar. The agreement to normalize relations between the United Emirates and Israel has raised the unprecedented possibility that in the near future large numbers of Muslim pilgrims will be coming to pray on the Temple Mount. Ironically, the Israeli government is welcoming them with open arms, but the Palestinian religious leadership has already issued a fatwa, or religious uh, ruling, banning Muslims from countries that have signed agreements with Israel from entering the silver-domed Al-Aqsa Mosque, though essentially an agreement concerning political and economic considerations, The agreement relates directly to the Temple Mount. As set forth in the Vision for Peace, 
all Muslims who come in peace may visit and pray at the Al-Aqsa Mosque and Jerusalem's other holy sites should remain open for peaceful worshippers of all faiths, the agreement states. This will lead to the trampling underfoot of Yahweh's holy grounds by the Gentiles. Revelation 11:1 and 2 says, A reed like a rod was given to me. Someone said, Rise and measure God's temple and the altar and those who worship in it. Leave out the court which is outside of the temple and don't measure it for it has been given to the nations. They will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. Folks, the measuring of the temple and the altar has already begun. The modular sections which have already been built are waiting to be erected. All that Israel needs is the Sunni nation's agreement to erect it for the purpose of prayer for all nations as the Jews keep touting Temple Mount will be and Israel will have to find someone new to govern Temple Mount if the Palestinian walk refuses to comply with the rest of the Sunni world now we're going to talk about in God and the RNC we trust This will likely get me in hot water with Donald Trump fans, but I have to say this anyway. Those who are putting their faith in Trump to save them from what's coming need to stop that and look to their Messiah, Yeshua. The Republican National Convention, the RNC, last week was more like four nights of church-like testimonies than a political convention. Trump and God, God and Trump. There is no church Sunday night testimony meeting that could be better than the rah-rah for God and President Trump. President Trump being, of course, the Messiah. The play on emotions through epic music and inspiring speeches for a man who is not leading America back to some former or future greatness but to an entirely different way of life, was obscured by the production. Trump really knows how to put on a show. Simultaneously appearing on the Internet and social media were the stories of Trump's random acts of kindness, him writing out checks for thousands of dollars and giving them to people, stopping his car to help someone changing a tire on the roadside, and giving him cash, paying medical and college bills. Well, perhaps he did those things. However, it sure seems strange that these anecdotes began appearing around the time of this year's RNC. Even though stories like these may have been floating around the Internet before, the propaganda value during this election year cannot be underestimated. And now quickly I want to talk to you about timing the tribulation. Everyone wants to know when the coming tribulation will start. To that end... Tens of thousands of people create and post timelines and justifications for those timelines on the Internet. Amos 3.7 says, Surely the Lord Yahweh will do nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. I am not a prophet, 
but I am a servant. And I believe Yahweh helps me to understand what is happening. Now that does not mean that I think I am always getting things right. It means I listen carefully. Pray that only his words will be spoken or published through me and try to keep my own words out of what I tell you. I hope my own words don't get mixed up with Yahweh's, which is why I always give you the information I use through links and provide my reasoning on scriptural matters so you can be a Berean and check out what I say, like Paul was checked. That said... I want to explain something about timelines and timing of the tribulation. Timelining is wicked because it is a form of divination, a method of foretelling the future by taking Yahweh's numbers and forcing them to fit in places and in ways that he did not intend. Everyone who has ever published a timeline with a starting date for the tribulation has acted as a sorcerer, a witch, practicing divination. The Bible codes are an abomination to Yahweh because they turn his Torah into an oracle for foretelling the future. We are not to foretell the future. We are to pay attention to the prophets and servants of Yahweh, and most of all, Yeshua, who told us to watch in Matthew 24, verses 42 and 43, Matthew 25, 13, chapter 26, verse 41, and Mark 13, 33, verse 35 and 37, chapter 14, 38, Luke 12, 39 and 21 verse 36 and we are to know the times and seasons Matthew 16 verse 3 and 1st Thessalonians 5 1 we are to watch not decipher not forecast with that said let me explain how we will know when the tribulation has begun to do that, I must explain the prophetic years found in the book of Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 47. The 70 weeks of years given in verse 24 are non-consecutive. They get fulfilled at different times. 70 weeks are 490 years, but they are broken up into... Seven weeks of years, or 49 years, 62 weeks of years, or 434 years, and then one week of years, which is seven years. Don't worry about the 49 years and the 434 years. These were fulfilled before Yeshua was born. This leaves the seven years to be fulfilled in the future. Of course, the seven years corresponds to the tribulation period. You must understand that Yahweh never specified start times for his prophetic events. He only told us to watch and know the seasons, the sign that we have entered the first 
half of the tribulation is Revelation 6-2, the first seal with the rider that has only one crown, one shot at doing his dirty deeds. And he has a political bow with no arrows and rides a pseudo-religious and symbolic conquering white horse. This is the first Antichrist, the Jewish Antichrist, who will wreak havoc among the brethren who believe Yeshua is God in the flesh and the rightful king of Israel. The Jewish Antichrist will seat himself in the temple, showing himself to be God and king. He is the usurper, but will do everything to kill anyone who says otherwise. The Antichrist will not allow detractors from his reign as God and King of Israel. That is why he politics the nations, getting them to do his killing for him, while he denies knowing anything about why the governments of the earth are killing their own people by having hired the mobs to kill us. Mob killings those described by Tucker Carlson earlier and which are happening all over the planet now is the same way Yeshua and his followers were killed 2,000 years ago. That will be repeated. Yahweh's patterns always repeat. It will happen again and soon The mobs now operating on the earth are fighting between atheistic and religious communism. That will end in the future, but these same or other mobs will be hired to turn their attention to Yeshua's people. They will drag believers into synagogues for questioning, as Yeshua said. When they answer incorrectly and refuse to accept that the Antichrist on Temple Mount is God and King of Israel, they will be taken to other places to be killed. So it is this last seven years that we must understand and we should stop looking to time its start. Instead, we should be watching and knowing the times and seasons and know what the trigger is, that first rider of the first seal whose other three horses will follow in quick succession after him. And I have one more exhortation. Stop being lone wolves out there. If you don't have a Shabbat-keeping fellowship of believers in Yeshua as God in the flesh and rightful King of Israel, find one ASAP. And for the leaders of fellowships, meet together more frequently. Keep up with each other's insights and the news each other reads and pray for each other. This cannot be done online through Skype or Zoom. The congregation will never be a virtual one. It will be virtual media that will stream the image of the beast. We have to stay away from even the appearance of evil. In this case, even the appearance that we are worshiping the beast's image by having it in our homes through internet or cable streaming. 
From the New World Order leaking the truth about the coronavirus numbers, to the Abraham Accord, to the U.S. elections and more, we have events to watch, times to discern, and seasons to see. Let us keep our faith in Yeshua, the God and rightful King of Israel. Go to the Messianic Message for more details about the Tribulation. That's it for this Beast Watch News update. This is Kimberly Rogers Brown signing off. Click over to BeastWatchNews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end of days Bible prophecy.